we'd like to welcome you back to part seven of our most recent mega study on the alien agenda exposed i'm going to go ahead and continue on here here is a uh we're going to switch gears a little bit now this is a listener and i'm i'm protecting their identity i'll just call her st and um they messaged they they emailed me and uh just so you know this came on december 7th 2016 so um you know almost a couple months ago email me and they said um you have mentioned several times about people writing in and talking about people seeing people with split reptilian eyes I actually saw someone with these reptilian eyes yesterday, and I am stunned. I work cleaning stairwells in an apartment building. I see tenants quite a lot going on and um, going in and out of their apartments. There are a lot of rowdy people living in this building, so a nice person really stands out. This guy seems to have a gentleness about him. He also seems to have patience. He has had some very bad neighbors and tries to talk them uh, talk to them and tries to straighten them out he has a very cute little dog and he was always walking with him now this is going to rock a lot of people's worlds this thing that we're talking about here because a lot of people are thinking well these reptilians i mean they're pure evil and they're gonna they're only gonna be up to no good that's how we're gonna know no actually that's not it at all <laughs> if you were satan and you were trying to infiltrate with a fifth column type of Nephilim hybrid into society, would you have them act out a lot and act like the worst aspects of society? Or would you have them gain the trust of mankind first? So that when the time comes for the big grand arrival and big awakening and whatever is coming down the pike, you could use them to go to the humans and convince them that they're the good guys. Okay, now we're going to talk more about this when I play these excerpts from these, this uh, e-book. I haven't even got to that yet. Oh my word, I don't know how long this study is going to be. I think I only have 10 hours capability of this thing. I'm probably going to have to download out of this. And, um... Oh man, I am like so far into this already. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry, I'm thinking out loud here. Uh, I, that this is going, we're going to expand on that subject a lot more coming up. Okay, so I don't want to say too much about that right now, but we will, we will get back to that. Now, let's go further. I talk to him every time I'm working there, and I've never noticed his eyes being slits before and i think i would have of course he has really light blue eyes which would have made it even more demonstrative if he had slits in his eyes obviously because i mean there's really light blue eyes that some people have i mean they really really stand out you would really notice if somebody had slits in that not not near as much if they had like dark brown know what i mean because the slits themselves are black and the dark brown going to black is not much of a, is much of a difference as light blue going to a slit. You're really going to notice that. Okay, so his pupils really stand out. Well, the last time I was talking to him, he had slits in his eyes. <laughs> subtle, you know, subtle. 
The pupil went from the top of his eye to the bottom. Perfect thin slits. It wasn't like a keyhole type slit you see online, which are actually a birth defect. We're going to talk about that in a second. Okay, because this these were not keyhole slits. These were not that birth defect that some people do have. And we will expand on that soon. It wasn't... Um, he was the last person, I would think, of putting in contact lenses as a prank. This guy is on disability, and he has told me that his little dog keeps him moving, and he is grateful for his little dog. I just can't figure this thing out. He is the nicest person, but I see his eyes like that. I just kept looking at them as he was talking. I got a good look at them, and I know what I saw. I just think... I should share this with you. We'll be praying for you and your daughter. I am so glad that I got her testimony on this because um, this is a super, super mega important aspect of this that I was not aware of until the last couple months. Actually, until um, my daughter saw one of these as well. I'm going to get into that a little bit later. Um, but maybe i should get into it now and then i'll do the other hold on let me see if i can find that um okay this is a comment i make later i'm just gonna say it now and then i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna give you my take and then we're gonna hear those audio clips okay because this is super important that we got we, we we wrap our heads around this and again i wasn't god keeps showing me more stuff about this and I keep thinking, well, they're going to come out and they're going to be shape-shifting into seven-foot-tall reptilians and we're going to be doing battle. And it's, that's not the way they want to go about this. Not, not initially. Not initially. I think there would come a time when the gloves would come off and all the masks would come off and all that and everything would be out in the open. But remember, Satan is the most subtle beast of the field. He wants you to think he's the good guy. My daughter, for instance, uh, I read Taylor the testimony from um, the, the lady above about the nice man with eye slits. And this was a very similar test, um, similar experience my daughter had. And when she saw a lady in the store she was working at with one eye, full slits, and the other one normal, she did not sense this lady was wanting to hurt her. She sensed she was embarrassed because she knew Taylor had saw her. And that is why she turned to one side so Taylor could not see that that eye was shifted. Taylor was working at the store and taking her money to check her out. And the lady stood sideways the whole time once she saw Taylor had seen her eye slit. And for some reason, Taylor has zero fear of reptilians. Okay. And she wasn't really, it wasn't like this hybrid creature, whatever it is. And we're going to be looking at that at length, actually. It wasn't like this hybrid creature was trying, like the Bigfoot or the werewolves or the things I was talking about. They, they weren't trying to put the person in a state of fear. They weren't trying to put Taylor in that. The, uh, obviously, the lady that cleaned the stairwells, it wasn't trying to do that to her either. Now, I'm not saying they can't do that. But in a lot of cases, you're going to find these to be the most polite people. Uh, well-mannered, non-offensive, but sometimes they cannot hold form. Now, well, we'll get into that later. They also have a, a huge ability to, to um, 
for mind control on a lot of people. And it may be that, and this is just coming in my head now, it may be that they're thinking because of this ability they have to control, let's say, 90-whatever-plus percent of the population. Let's say the, the, the population that aren't born-again Christians. They have an ability, and I think in these audio clips I'm going to play, we're going to get into that, to um, one of the main ways they function in society is through their telepathic, through their mind control abilities. When they go out into public, they will literally steal stuff from stores and do all of these things and walk right out and look right at the cashier and the cashier will just wave them out and they won't even remember doing it. They won't even remember it because they're being mind controlled, okay? But a born-again Christian... I don't believe that they would have that same ability, depending also on the faith of the individual and, you know, are they prayed up, are they, are, are, you know, do they have the full armor of God and that type of stuff. And maybe they think in, in a lot of instances that even if they have slits, maybe they're thinking due to their ability to control people's minds, they're not going to remember. Now I'm theorizing, I'm just theorizing, I'm thinking out loud, um, Taylor sensed that the lady was a hybrid. And um, she also sensed a, a, a deep sadness because the lady knew actually what she was and probably knew where she was going to end up to a certain extent. The problem with this, and this all stems back to the alien breeding program that's been going on ever since we signed, I believe, the Grenada Treaty where we, where we agreed that they could experiment on our population. These women get taken up into the the ships, they turn up pregnant, and then three months later, the babies are harvested, these hybrids. They're, they're half alien, half human. And it's not like they asked for this. It's not like these hybrids asked to be born or asked for this to happen. This is something that these Nephilim are doing. So, um, I don't know. Anyway... It's happened to my daughter. It's happened to this lady. And we're going to read another testimony later. But before we do that, I'm going to play excerpts um, of this audio clip. Okay, now, this is a good time. And I'm going to read this a comment I made. This is a good time to comment in the book below. Play the audios I listen to. These non-human entities that are integrated in our, into our society, who the author describes as hubrids. Not hybrids, but hubrids will typically appear as very polite, nice, and well-mannered. They are trained that way so as to blend in and do not draw any negative attention to themselves. And also because they would be the last ones people would suspect as not being human. Now, what is this book I'm talking about? This is a book uh, my listener Patricia told me about. She had read, and I, I don't have, I really don't have time to read books. The only thing I, I read for the most part, is the Bible. You know, just the, the, the time element alone. Um, anyway, this book is called Walking Among Us, The Alien Plan to Control Humanity. In his, in his 1998 book, The Threat, so this guy's been writing about this a long time, uh, Jacobs, who is the author, uh, uncovered disconcerting reports about alien plans for the future of Earth. Now, here's the thing. This is the caveat that I'm going to tell you right off the bat. The guy's not a Christian. 
listening to this even on audiobook it's extremely clinical it's it's like a therapist or a psychiatrist type of person relaying clinical information to you about his clients his patients he does it very matter-of-factly he does it from a very 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 godless perspective from a from a perspective of basically like no hope if you ask me i mean that's the way he ends it in the book it's like i don't think there's anything that can be done to prevent this and there's very little you know and i'm thinking oh uh uh-huh that that's why ce4 research has just hundreds of people that they have documented cases where the people cried out to jesus when they were getting abducted by aliens and every single time it stops the abduction and it's like throwing battery acid on these things that's because there's no hope so i'm here to interject i would never just tell you to go read this book it's maddening to just listen to the audio book part portion because it's from such a godless clinical perspective i can't stand it but i'm here to inject biblical truth into this so that we can temper but not to say there's not a lot of valuable things we can learn from this because i learned some stuff in here i had no clue about i'm only going to give you the cliff notes version you can you can get the ebook i feel like after you listen to the study you'd be in a much better if you did want to listen to it or or if you wanted to read the book you'd be in a much better position because now you're going to have more biblical perspective um anyway jacobs reported that a quote change is coming we see this over and over and over again in a lot of the hollywood stuff too this climactic event the big debut matreo refers to it as the day of declaration okay a change is coming a future when very human-like hybrids would intermingle with humans in everyday life now i'm not 100 percent sure on the audio clips if they get into this as much and maybe they do and maybe this is going to be redundant but i will say this a pure hybrid from his research and this would make sense think about it if you had a let's let's say whatever they present themselves to be the aliens or whatever they're basically nephilim some type of biological container for evil spirits these nephilim are they're fine they have this breeding program where they're taking these women up into the mothership they're and men too and they're doing all types of experimentation with the sperm and the eggs and they're 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 fertilizing these eggs with um sometimes it's i believe a straight nephilim sperm and then also a human egg what you're going to get in that particular case is a hybrid and that entity is going to look half like a gray alien and half like a human those types of 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 entities are not the ones that are being integrated in in our society because they would stick out like a sore thumb what is being integrated in society are called hubrids now if he got into it in the book in detail i must have kind of missed it i don't think he did but the hubrids from what i could gather are like a cross between a hybrid and a human in other words it would be like a quarter 
a Nephilim. And in that particular case, they look pretty much fully human. You won't be able to tell the difference from a physical standpoint. Hubrids, okay? So it would be like what I talked before about the giants, how there was, there was giants that were what we would call a full cast giant, which means it's a literal, it's a literal um, first generation. You had a woman and a fallen angel, angel, angel breeding. They put out a 25-foot giant that ends up growing to 25 feet. Let's say, for instance, okay, that giant, okay, which is now half human and half giant, mates with a woman, okay. Now you've got the giant genetics, the Nephilim genetics halved again. So now you have a half cast giant. Then that half cast, and then the half cast is, let's say, 12 feet, okay. Then you have that one breed with another woman. So now you have you know, the, the genetics, again, from that particular one, of the Nephilim, and now you have a giant that's anywhere from seven to eight feet. That's a quarter-cast giant. I think that's what we're dealing with here. Now, they're doing enough stuff on these ships where they're taking sperm from men and, and um, the eggs of women and these types of things that they can make, like, these half- or quarter-cast aliens and implant them back into the female. They turn up pregnant because that's their incubator, the female. They're re-abducted. Many times they even remember being re-abducted and they, and they wake up either on some one of these motherships or sometimes it's even in an underground facility where there's actually um, governmental personnel working with these alien races to bring this about. These hubrids are then grown and taught on these motherships or on whatever bases that they are, and they're taught about human society. That is what this book mostly is. It is literally about how they are integrating them into society, how they're being taught on these ships, how they're actually being slowly introduced into everyday life situations, and ultimately, about usually at about the age of 19 or 20, they're literally fully introduced into society they're given like an apartment they might live right next to you in an apartment complex they're very they're very polite they're very well mannered they'll typically only go out if they're going to do shopping late at night they'll go in there and mind control people and walk out with whatever they need they typically don't even have money a lot of times they don't even have jobs and they're there to try to integrate into society to a certain extent now, I'm getting ahead of myself because this is what we're going to be hearing on a lot of these clips now. I just wanted to give you a little preview. He reported that a change is coming, a future where the very human-like hybrids would intermingle with humans in everyday life. And then, he, and then he goes on to say, soon we will all be together, the aliens keep telling them. Soon we will all be together. And then they go, the aliens say, soon everyone will be happy and everyone will know his place. You can rot in hell, you fork-tongued devil. I'll never go along with this garbage. And I don't see Bible for this ever fully being integrated into society. But I think that's why God said, if, if, if God didn't shorten those days, there was no flesh that would be spared. You know, if Satan had his way, we would have all been stomped into the ground a long time ago, though. So they have their plan, and God has his, and God always wins. And we know how we we know how the end of the book turns out. We win. 
Okay, we're on the winning team. Now, my comment here is think of Katy Perry's song, Extraterrestrial. See my teachings on this here. I've, I've mentioned this many, many times. I give you the link there for Katy Perry because I, I, that song, Extraterrestrial, is about good old um, horror Katy Perry um, procreating with some robot alien devil and she's a nephilim and she's got slits fry oh it's so sickening and evil oh my word that video is so wicked she is so wicked oh anyway this book examines a disturbing phenomenon that jacobs began noticing in 2003 the alien integration action plan has kicked into high gear the incidents of alien abductions have accelerated as have occurrences of alien involvement in human everyday life. A silent and insidious invasion has begun. They have been trained by human abductees to, quote, pass, to blend into society, and to appear normal as your next-door neighbor. Is this why James, when he's going out, all these people now are start all of a sudden seeing these, these entities? And they're not able to hold form and they're, they're turning up with slits? Yeah, it's exactly why. I mean, this is the fruit of this abduction program that's been going on and breeding program that's been going on. Well, what was Genesis 6 all about? Defiling the seed of humanity with the fallen angels and the women, burying them giants, and then those giants defiled the land? Yeah. It's the same thing. They're just going about it a different way. It's more subtle this time around. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, Genesis 6, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So we should be expecting this. This is the most pure example of that verse that Jesus said that I can give you. This book that we're talking about right now. And it's all being done under our nose. And virtually... I don't know any Christian ministries that are really talking about this. Not about this. This is really specific. The reintegration of a Nephilim-type race, a defiled Nephilim-type race into humanity to totally wipe out the seed line of man. Not only are they using the chemtrails and the vaccinations and the GMO foods, and all the other garbage they're doing to try to mess up our DNA, they're doing this too. This is a big one that I've really never mentioned. Or I've mentioned it, but not to the extent we're going to look at today. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. This book illustrates in detail the process of alien integration into society and the strategy and support structure that has been developed to make this happen seamlessly. While he is not certain why they are doing it, well, I am, I just gave you the why, but he doesn't come at it from a biblical standpoint. The final chapter of the book will provide some chilling possible answers as to why they're here and what they want to accomplish. Well, we, I just told you that. I mean, obviously the Bible's very clear. Jacobs is a careful researcher who has investigated more than 1150 abduction events experienced by more than 150 abductees this book focuses on the experiences of 13 abductees here's some reviews this is got from a guy named thomas e bullard phd board member 
Center for UFO Studies and Fund for UFO Research and author of UFO Abductions, The Measure of a Mystery. He says, David Jacobs has spent his career as a history professor at a major university and, what matters most of all, he backs his claims with an impressive mass of evidence. Now, I would agree on that, absolutely. Jacobs treats his subject with an ethnographic depth and detail, but without academic ponder ponderousness. Um, okay, next review. Young Hei Chi, um, facility of, he's got some degree here, uh, DPhil, whatever that is, and Faculty of Oriental Studies, University of Oxford. He says, once we accept the extraterrestrial origin of UFOs, and that beings can act purpose, purposefully as rational beings invariably do, it is only a small step, step from UFO phenomenon to the co-residency of two species. It is this logical consistency that makes Walking Among Us, this book, constantly grip our imagination with such vengeance. The next review, Don C. Denary, PhD, Associate Professor of Physiology, McGill University, Montreal, author of UFOs, ETs, and Alien Abductions. He says, this book, Walking Among Us, is a chronicle of human experience that contradicts every current theory about the universe that we think and live in. Jacob's human observers have experienced a concealed reality that is literally next door to some of us, and that he believes is about to interact secretly and insidiously with the rest of us. Walking Among Us explains why extraterrestrial extraterrestrial ufos are here who is aboard them and what they're doing to put it mildly the evidence from the people that jacobs has interviewed shows that the extraterrestrials are up to no good now remember these are unsafe people saying this these are academics and they're even coming to this conclusion because they're usually the one that's in the biggest denial of course i mean not necessarily some of these they're they're written about ufos but still they're academic people Next review, Ron Westrom, Ph.D., Emeritus Professor of Sociology, Eastern Michigan University. He says Dr. Jacobs has written an extremely important book about UFO abductees and the meaning of their abductions. All right, I just want to make sure I haven't missed anything. Okay. Um, now, I am going to attempt to play certain excerpts from different ones of these CDs and I've got to load the CDs. I don't know if my com I think my computer will play them okay. If not, I'm going to have to get a CD player in here and try to piece through this and guide you through this. And hopefully we can get we can get through these audios. I'm, I'm only going to be playing you small portions of the audio book. But um, it's super important I think we hear some of these excerpts. Okay, so it took a little bit of finagling on my part. I've got, I had to bring a CD player in. My laptop will play this stuff, but it I'm not I'm not able to see where to stop for some reason. So I'm having to use a CD player, and I'm gonna just play the audio from that, and you'll hear it in the uh, microphone. This is Chapter Six of Disc Four, and um, I believe they're gonna talk about these integrated hybrids. Now I've already given you like an idea of what the hubers are they're the ones that are that are literally in our society right now they're almost 100 percent the ones that if you see them showing up they're going to be the ones that have slits in their eyes now maybe there's different flavors um i'm not saying they're all nice and wonderful okay because the one the one um gentleman 
that I have that's a listener, he saw one and he wasn't a he wasn't a nice guy. I think the majority of them are. I think there's different flavors. There may be other breeding programs. I mean, I don't... They're probably... Certain sects of them are being trained to integrate into all parts of society. Meaning, trying some appearing as upright citizens, some is appearing as lowlifes. I, I, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure I have all the answers, but this will give us some insight onto what their agenda is. Integrated hubrids. What's the refrigerator? When hubrids move into a house or apartment on Earth, abductees are responsible for continuing to teach them about living in human society. Hubrid knowledge of day-to-day -day human life is insufficient and uneven. Okay, so in other words, the abductees, and many times it's the mother that might have bore them, might have bore the hubrid, 15 years ago or 20 years ago maybe it's not but the abductees are also under the mind control of the aliens they're, they're continually reabducted and their families are abducted unless they get saved unless they break out of the cycle there's certain things that they look for and a lot of times what i've seen with abductee vic abduction victims is that it's almost universal they either have some kind of cursed bloodline or they have a bloodline that was involved in witchcraft or the occult or the new age and it sets them up to be abducted okay when they're reintroducing these hubrids back into society let's say they give them an apartment it's the abductees one of their jobs is to is to literally teach them what is acceptable behavior in society so that they don't appear out of place and they'll and not this starts like on the ships you know when they're at a very little age but the thing is is there's no there's no experience like actually coming to earth which is very very much different than some type of ufo or underground base or wherever they're being taught and actually having to adapt to society so they'll bring these these hubrids into these uh, typically some apartment that they're given initially and the abductees will will kind of from a from a um enclosed um protected space meaning the apartment because nobody's going to come in the apartment they'll show them okay here's what this means and, and this is what this whole thing is i wouldn't dare play this whole ebook because a lot of it's so mundane it's like how do they integrate bathroom into the bathrooms and the kitchen and they go over every single they talk about carpets and they talk about every single aspect of what these hubrids are um are, of how they're trying to integrate them into society that's what this whole thing is. It's very, very clinical and detailed. This is partly due to their understandardized training. For example, some hubrids have never seen a fully made bed, while others have seen beds in people's homes. Similarly, some hubrids have never written letters or symbols, while others have done so many times. Specially selected abductees are trained for the responsibility of filling hubrid's gaps of knowledge and smoothing the edges of hubrid behavior with the single goal of undetected assimilation. Integrated hubrids are usually between the ages of 17 and 25. Their knowledge about the complexity of human society is still rudimentary. Living arrangements can be puzzling. Relationships with friends and neighbors are foreign. 
Almost everything associated with intellectual or popular culture is unfamiliar to newly arrived hubrids. They do not understand the subtleties of spoken language. They have little, if any, aesthetic sense. Consensual romantic relationships baffle them. Although these hubrids have undergone training both on board and in abductees' homes, they still have very much to learn. Adolescent and young adult hubrids have pleasant personalities. They are extremely respectful and dutiful. Because they come from a highly structured telepathic society, they always obey orders. They rarely display anger or hostility. Okay, now we see right here further confirmation of how at least the hubrids he's in reference to can appear as nice as pie. Most polite people you'll ever be around, you know, like the the lady that was not like my like my own daughter saw that that lady was not threatening whatsoever. So just understand that <laughs> these aren't going to be like the devil coming at you with with um, you know two horns, a, a pitchfork, and a pointy tail and two hooves. Most of the time, they're not going to appear that way. With some exceptions, they are not argumentative or defiant in the face of criticism. They lack the suspicion or wariness most humans their age possess. Often, abductees cannot help feeling fond of the hubrids. They do not sense that their presence represents a threat and perhaps even eventual catastrophe. But the fact that naive hubrids are moving into the society surreptitiously, and most likely in huge numbers, signifies a covert invasion. In huge numbers covert invasion this breeding program has been taking place i'd say from the 40s you know you can you can build up a pretty big population in that particular time period especially when you're doing it covertly and clandestinely and, and it's away from prying eyes two to three to four percent of the population has admitted that they've been abducted with a huge emphasis always on the reproductive capacities of the males and the females so this is not some little tiny problem some little thing that <laughs> we're not going to deal with they're already here unlike normal immigrants they are not here because they want to be they are here only to fulfill the aliens goals as polite innocent guileless and unsuspecting as hubrids can be their neural abilities differentiate them sharply from us hubrids use neural engagement to control human actions when it suits them they use telepathy to communicate between one another or learn a human's private thoughts their overwhelming humanness seems to weaken their alien abilities but even weakened abilities are more than enough to be effective Conversely, abductees cannot read hubrids' inner thoughts, and, consequently, we do not know whether they have the full range of human emotions. How much they will be able to blend into society is an open question. But humans can be very strange. So hubrids have a lot of leeway before anyone might recognize something is wrong. All hubrids are dedicated to their function. Their loyalty is to the program and not to their human trainers. 
Hubrids and hybrids may develop relationships with abductees, but they focus only on fulfilling the goals of the integration program. Abductees are a means to an end. As hubrids move into their own homes, the program of assimilation enters a new phase. The assimilation bureaucracy. Hubrid societal integration is not a complex process. The insectolins oversee the entire program. Okay, now, the insectolins are actually over these hubrids. They're these insectolin-like, that I've heard over and over again, creatures. Uh, kind of like the small greys are like the worker bees, and the insectolins are above them, and I think the large greys are actually even above them. It's hard to say on the food chain where everybody sits, but these are these are these type of, of Nephilim creatures that are there to integrate these things into our society to breed mankind out of existence. It's all about ultimately destroying the seed line of man to a corrupting the, the, the um, DNA of mankind to the point where they're not human anymore. That's what this is all about, just like it was in Genesis 6. They have installed an effective bureaucracy consisting of personal project hybrids, or PPHs, advanced hybrids, security hybrids, and group hubrids to ensure that all goes well in the integration process. So in other words, they have a very strict hierarchy of different hybrids, hubrids, and these types of creatures in, and with specific assignments in order to make sure that this integration occurs seamlessly and that there's no problems along the way. Hybrids within the bureaucracy often have overlapping functions, including, but not limited to, the following. Protecting hubrids. Installing hubrids in appropriate living quarters. Making sure abductees instruct hubrids how to live within the norms of human society. Keeping the program's goals intact. Ensuring that abductees are in compliance with alien rules. Reporting recalcitrant abductees to insectolins or tall greys. Personal project hybrids now have a critical role in the abductees' lives. Okay, now that last point, reporting recalcitrant um, abductees to the insectolins or greys, who are the enforcers essentially they're the ones up in the hierarchy in other words if an abductee doesn't want to show a hubrid how to integrate into society or they don't want to go along with a game plan they will be dealt with in increasingly severe manners through these entities they will be forced to comply unless they break away and get saved and start invoking the name of jesus christ which is like throwing battery acid on these stinking devils before, they were primarily sexual partners or interested bystanders in the abductees' lives. Now, with the advent of hubrids being trained in the field and then moving in, the personal project hybrids have the duties of keeping the abductees in line and, if they remember anything, not betraying the program to family, friends, or researchers. So the abductees typically, what will happen is if they're called out on a given day in order to train the hubrids what you commonly see is just like when they get abducted from on the mothership they typically don't remember anything 
their minds are wiped every single time. Okay. And, and so they don't have any kind of recall. And also the abductees are usually assigned a hubrid to be a sexual partner to. So in other words, they've got a abductee that is basically their sexual partner that is holding their hand regarding this whole integration process. So they can, the abductee can take the hubrid out into society and hold their hand and basically um, be there to cushion you know, any type of thing that may happen when they get out into society because the, uh, the actual human will know what to do in society, whereas the hubrid may not. They make sure abductees are doing what they are told and instructing the hubrids properly. Security hybrids also make sure that the hubrids are safe and that the abductees are obeying orders and not endangering the integration program by talking to others about what they are doing. They are relentless and unyielding in their pursuit of obedience. Personal project hybrids often accompany abductees around and, in some cases, learn about the world themselves. For example, Betsy's PPH, whom she called Ken, met her at a supermarket and asked questions about the foods she put in her shopping cart. Betsy was one of the abductees that he interviewed, one of the 13 that he interviewed to get this information. He smelled the fruit and asked about whether she cooked eggs, meat, and a loaf of bread. On other occasions, he accompanied her on trips to the ophthalmologist and to her family doctor, sometimes sitting in the room where she was examined. The doctors could see him, but did not seem to care or pay any attention to him. When the decision is made to begin integrating into a specific geographic area, advanced hybrids are the first to arrive. Though we know very little about... Okay, so what they're saying is when they choose a particular area to start integrating into, to start infiltrating, the hybrids come first, evidently, as some type of, I don't know, force that, that starts mapping things out, preparing the way. ...about their activities at this stage, it is logical to suspect that abductees help the advanced hybrids become acclimated. Eventually, the advanced hybrids, with abductee help, find a location within their assigned geographic area suitable for the hubrids to live in and then obtain living quarters for them. Now remember, the, the hybrids, although they can appear to humans, even though they don't look quite human, have enough mind control power where the human's not going to even think a whole lot about it. But that's not practical to do on a 24-7 basis. But they're there to stage and pave the way for the hubrid, which are more like the quarter-cast aliens that look just like us. They're there to pave the way for their integration. And the abductees are there to hold their hand through the whole process. And to be, if it's a woman, and typically always is, their sexual partner. Housing, usually apartments, must be safe and ideally near stores that are open 24 hours a day so they can satisfy daily needs. Okay, so this is ground zero for where you would suspect these things to be. Okay? Apartment complexes in cities near places that have 24-hour access to, like, groceries, like a 24-hour grocery store, 24-hour drug stores, because they typically don't want to go in the day. They want to go at night where they're going to be less 
bright lights on them. I've heard that over and over again as well about these aliens that come into our society. They typically, well, he's going to get into that here, I think. Walmart, Target, Walgreens, Kmart, or various supermarkets and convenience stores where they can enter late at night with a minimum amount of human contact. Once the advanced hybrids have secured the accommodations, an independent hybrid moves into the living quarters. Soon, the personal project hybrid introduces his abductee to the independent hybrid, who becomes the abductee's student and, like the PPH, a sexual partner. After the independent and the abductee have had a chance to establish a complex personal and teaching relationship, the independent, the PPH, and a security hybrid take the abductee to see younger group hybrids who are also moving in. I mean, they're totally integrating in a very advanced, structured way into our society, infiltrating. And this is how they're doing it. The more hybrids and abductee encounters, the more important safety becomes. Because hybrids are so critically important for the program's outcome, their safety becomes the program's safety. To protect them, the aliens have established a security force. Like PPHs, security hybrids bring hybrids to abductees' homes for training. But unlike PPHs, security hybrids have no interest in human society. Their mindset is fixated on the program's security and safety. That is all they think about. Abductees are not to talk about the program to anyone. They must do exactly what security hybrids dictate. If the abductees continue to talk in the face of pressure, violence can be used to stop it. Violence. Security also means protecting hybrids from violent humans. When an abductee reported to me that hybrids on board mentioned concerns about violence, I was at first somewhat puzzled, given how all types of aliens can control humans. The more I learned, however... But again, he's acting like God doesn't exist. Those stinking things aren't going to control me, okay? They have no right to control a born-again Christian, number one. We have power over them. Just look at what happens in the abduction scenarios if they try to abduct a Christian and they cry out to Jesus Christ. Or even in night paralysis where people cry out to Jesus Christ. It's people that are Christians. Again, it's like throwing batteries. So, so again, it's it's the way that it's presented here. We have, you know, we just have to go along with this. They're mind controlling. You know, if that was the case, they would have taken over a long time ago. Come on. They would have stomped us out into existence a long time ago. Notice how delicately they have to do this. Okay? What they're trying to do is get humanity into a situation where it's like that whole thing about the frog and the boiling water. You put the frog in the lukewarm water and you slowly turn it up until it's boiling and then by then the frog doesn't realize what happened and he's just boiling in it. That's what they're trying to do here right now. This integration program, as it increases, is like them turning that water up like from a slow boil or, or they're trying to get it hotter and hotter and hotter so that we'll all be to a point where when this whole thing is, is literally unveiled and unleashed, we will be in such shock and in such horror and in such fear that 
we won't even think about fighting back because it'll already be so far gone and so far along. This is why I'm doing this study because I really want to get the word out on this. I've never heard any Christian ministries get into this specific aspect of this infiltration program that has been going on for decades and decades. And this is obviously really super important stuff we're dealing with here. The more this concern seemed logical. And it's things we need to pray against that we may have never known to pray against up until now. I was already aware that abductees on board sometimes regain mental control, get loose, run down hallways, and physically attack aliens. Moreover, considering the vast number of abductees operating within the system, one can imagine all sorts of scenarios where violence may become an issue, whether through loss of control of an onboard abductee Conflicts arising during field training experiences, or resistance from non-abductees when hubrids use their mental abilities to try to control them. Violence also takes place among PPH and security hybrids. They do not hesitate to use it on chronically disobedient abductees. They routinely instill headaches into those who describe their experiences to researchers. They push women backward to the floor and pick them up by their hair. They press their thumbs into abductee's cheeks, causing pain, but leaving no mark. If an abductee is still recalcitrant, they may resort to vivid death threats, and they sometimes force abductee's heads into water until they think they are drowning. Which, where we're, we're really seeing their true colors here. They, they, don't, they don't care. They could care less about humanity. Humanity to them is just a means to an end. Humanity is just there to be manipulated and defiled and ultimately destroyed. Just like in that show, Childhood End, which which was a premiere last year that I did that teaching on. What was ultimately the goal there? To wipe out humanity and then ultimately there to destroy Earth. You know, in the end. Insubordinate women have had cuts made to their genital area. This causes little or no bleeding, and within a day or two, the cuts quickly heal. And, of course... The abductees know not to go to a hospital. If abductees are still uncooperative and the hybrids cannot correct them, even with physical punishment, they are ultimately sent to insectolins or tall greys who, through stronger neural engagement, try to persuade them to cooperate. Although any hybrid can control any one human in a normal situation, it seems that neurally weaker hubrids have difficulty controlling several humans at once. Thus, hubrids are especially vulnerable when threatened by a group of humans. Conversely, they have found that they can mitigate their vulnerability by banding together. They can pool their neural resources to control obstreperous humans more completely. A hubrid told Betsy in a new... I think it would be good to add to your prayers that asking God to to um, never allow these entities to have any type of mind control over you or your family. You know, just, I, I just can't see that hurting, doing that. Dominating anecdote about an incident that illustrates their pooling of powers, as well as the threat of humans. Three young hubrids were in a public park late at night in a high crime area when a group of humans approached and threatened them. Whether the humans were simply violent criminals or detected something strange about the hubrids is unknown. Working together, 
The three hubrids managed to control the humans, but only with some effort. The incident made them all the more wary of human tendencies toward violence. This has been reflected with other abductees. Eric told Bernard that humans' tendency to be violent must be controlled. Paula had the same conversation with her hybrids. Therefore, it is possible that groupings of hybrids from two to four for integration allows them to have physical protection through strength and numbers. Okay, so that's, we have that part here. I'm going to try to play another part here next. Chapter 9. Training abductees for the change. I'm going to be able to... Okay, now the change is, again, the change is the big enchilada. It's their big debut. It's their, you know, as Maitreya would say, I'd say the day of declaration. Now, whether this is the start of the tribulation period, where we may see 30-mile motherships over cities, or whether it's something more subtle than that, I can't, I don't have a crystal ball, but something along those lines, okay, is what they're in reference to here, where they're going to be fully integrated, supposedly, into human society. And there, again, there's a lot of sci-fi shows that have portrayed that over the years as well. At some point, to kind of jump between both worlds. In typical abduction scenarios, Abductees involuntarily contribute to the alien integration program by supplying sperm and eggs, tending to hybrid children, and teaching hybrids how to pose as humans. Some abductees, however, play more significant roles. In The Threat, I described how abductees have been used to calm other onboard abductees. Female abductees are sometimes made to help in the collection of sperm, in some cases, abductees have been required to go with greys when abducting people. Why only some and not all abductees engage in these activities is still an open question, but it is clear the aliens are going to give them special functions and responsibilities in the future. It took me a while to learn the extent of these functions. In 2003, when Eric told Bernard about the change and that abductees would have special duties when it happened, I had not learned enough to fully understand what he was saying. I knew many abductees believed they had information stored deep within them that might eventually be called into use, but very little else. I had also investigated many situations in which abductees were engaged in testing procedures, as I called them in secret life. Now I know that they were not testing procedures, they were training procedures. Training abductees for the change stands out as a critical component of the integration program. Selected abductees are being taught abilities only hybrids and aliens have. This training consists of making abductees perform alien tasks, either by themselves or in concert with hybrids. It seems the idea behind the training is to expand the size of the workforce available to implement the change and to help after it is in effect. All abductees are lifelong victims of the abduction program and deserve understanding and empathy. But special abductees experience something even worse. They are unwilling workers in an organization they had no choice but to join. They desperately wish they could get out of this captivity, and these special duties add to their feeling that they are betraying the human race.
and they could get out. But you know that, that when like people like Joe Jordan and them try to go to these UFO um, conferences and speak and talk about this, crying out to Jesus and, 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 and how it always stops abductions, they want no part of it. The people, I've even tried to contact people that were, they, they have no interest in it. It's like they would rather go to hell, keep getting abducted, keep getting probed in all of the other horrific garbage that he doesn't even get into. All the probing and, and the implants and all the things that they do on, on a really horrific scale. See fire in the sky, abduction scene, for if you want more information on that. And they would rather go to hell and keep getting that done to them forever and having, their, having it happen to their children too than get saved. Now I'm not saying there's no brainwashing involved. But it's consistent. And the UFO conferences want nothing to do with that information either. Which really is just sickening beyond words if you think about it. How evil that is. That whole concept is. When it could all end so easily. Special abductees. After an abduction, some abductees retain telepathic abilities. This disconcerts them. They complain of unwillingly knowing people's thoughts. They want it to stop. Usually the telepathy ebbs and disappears after a week or so. This residual effect presents the possibility of a neurological alteration that enables telepathic ability when required. It may be using existing human neural architecture in a different way, or it may be that something is hardwired into an abductee who will eventually be able to use the ability at will. If the latter is the case, it suggests other brain alterations in abductees and even more capabilities than just telepathy. Moreover, this neural ability may be intergenerational, reinforcing the idea of it becoming a permanent neurological change. Some abductees have described other alien-like skills they have learned on board UFOs, finding other abductees, making them do activities against their will, putting images in their minds, and, with the help of hybrids, moving objects with their minds. So it's important to understand that the abductees themselves start to possess a lot of these same telepathic, and I think a lot of them were opened up to that to begin with, and that's why they were selected their participation in the occult, generational witchcraft, things of this nature, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, but they start to possess further abilities as well and will be used when and are being used in this regard to do the bidding of the wicked uh, Nephilim aliens that we're talking about here. So understand, too, the abductees are dangerous as well. And I didn't really realize that until I started getting, you know, this information was, was being conveyed. All of these abilities were thought to be unique to aliens and hybrids. Training to use these skills has emerged as a vital part of the aliens program. The neurological manner in which abductees acquire the powers is unknown, but the exercises they go through to practice the skills implies that they will eventually perform them in the real world. These special abductees are unwilling converts who desperately wish they could get out of their lifelong captivity. Their new duties add to their guilt and their feeling that they are betraying the human race. 
Hybrids teach abductees to use their minds to perform a variety of procedures that hybrids and aliens routinely do. Though this training begins on board UFOs, once the abductees have developed these skills, they continue their training in real-life situations under the evaluation of hybrids. Mentally controlling both objects and people is the first step. Controlling objects. So again, they will be used like satanic foot soldiers in this army, the abductees, as well as the hubrids and and when this when this whole thing is debuted. You've got all this hierarchy and they're all going to be used in different ways, but it's all evil. Training abductees to manipulate objects with their minds begins in childhood. The abductees are taken into a room with late-stage hybrid children of their own age. The room has a collection of special toys. The hybrid children mentally make ball-like toys fly into the air and then return to their hands. They can mentally make flat, featureless toys flash in different colors. They pass around toys that mentally cause them to experience joy. Once they have demonstrated the toys, the young hybrids tell the human children to do the same thing. The abductee children protest that they cannot play with the toys in the same way, but the hybrids urge them to try. Of course, the abductees find they can manipulate the toys with their minds, just like the hybrids. This is not telekinesis. Rather, it may mean that the toys have the ability to receive whatever energy comes out of hybrids and abductees' minds. This requires a special connectivity between mind and matter that non-abductees may not have. When the Okay, so we have that part. Now let's go to the next part. Oh, actually, you know what? I'm over on time. So I'm going to go ahead and end part, oh boy, where, where are we at here? Seven. And we'll go to part eight.